Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. This is a special edition of RegWatch. We're about to pack up all of our gear and uh, get ready to uh, fly out to Washington, D.C. for the big rally uh, for vapors. And we have a special guest that is joining us today. We have Dan Vergano. He is a science reporter from BuzzFeed News. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Well, our pleasure is all ours. So... Dan and I have been going back and forth a little bit over the, over the last little while. Uh, RegWatch has provided a little bit of information on some stories, but mostly, he, you know, his reporting has been such a resource for us. And he's agreed to come on today uh, to chat a little bit about what's going on uh, with the potential Trump vaping ban. And here we are basically at the last minute on Thursday. And Dan, where do we sit? What do we know? Uh, well, I... Welcome to the world of reporters here waiting to see what Donald Trump is going to do. Uh, that is where we're at, man. Uh, this is our life. Uh, now you get to see how it is. Uh, we don't know what the White House has decided or, or what it's going to do at this point. It seems clear they were sending a signal out with the uh, Kellyanne Conway interview saying that they were thinking of uh, going so far, trying to split the baby and uh, uh, ban e-cigs, but leave some vaping open. Uh, there's tremendous pushback today from places like uh, tobacco-free kids and uh, American Lung Association. So we don't know. They haven't said anything. Uh, we're past the witching hour for them doing something today, but it might come down to the last minute tomorrow. So, I, I mean, clearly this is obviously a challenging decision for the White House. It's clear they're struggling with it, yeah. Uh, and there's um, a lot of pressure on them from people who are their allies on both sides. And it's clear the First Lady has taken an interest in this as well, which is unusual for her to have such a high profile going on a tour with Alex Azar, who's the uh, official at the uh, HHS who seems to be uh, the leading proponent of a, of a, of a strict ban. Um, at the same time, you have people like um, Grover Norquist pushing back against it. I mean, the and, you know, the pressure from vapors themselves, which the White House is clearly hearing. So uh, they yeah. don't, they don't, they're not sending out clear signals to anybody. So how do we know the White House is at least listening? Oh, they're giving interviews about it. Uh, we know they're listening because they don't, yeah, they don't talk about stuff um, and uh, they're not thinking about. Um, the pressure is inevitable. Uh, the president said he was going to do this. There was a pushback uh, every time that there's a uh, press conference with CDC or FDA, which happens pretty much on a weekly basis, thanks to this outbreak investigation, they get questions about it. Uh, Alex Azar and Melania Trump are, you know, having meetings talking about it, um, so they can't not talk about it. And uh, they are giving more sort of signals that they're thinking about it than they usually do. Like the, that story we were mentioning with Kelly and Conway talking, she's the president's pollster. It's clearly on his mind, you know? <laughs> right. No doubt. It does seem, uh, Clyde Bates, who was on our show yesterday, was commenting that it seems to be, you know, uh, quite a bit of attention at the highest level on this issue. Is that surprising? Um, it's, what is surprising from this White House, man? Uh, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of insight into, into how things work there. Um, it seems clear, though, that uh, this is an issue that's got the president's uh, attention, given that, you know, these are his supporters, some of the people who are telling him not to do this. Right. 
Right. Okay. So let's let's kind of you know put this in the context of science because you are you know one of the science reporters at BuzzFeed, good one too by the way. Um, Thanks. Is is science being you know overtly politicized here? And I mean, I asked that question kind of rhetorically, obviously, but. What's your concept of that? I mean, you've, you've covered lots of issues. Is this particular one somehow, you know, hotter? Right now it is, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, falsehood that you think that you can ever take the politics out of science uh, completely in anything. But here uh, you have uh, people in Congress who are complaining about their grandchildren vaping, you know, at the uh, people at FDA and CDC who are sort of, you know, we can only do so much. And, you know, you told us to keep our hands off this a few years ago. So, you know, why are you coming back to us now to, to deal with this? Uh, the questions aren't going to be solved on the scientific level. It's not like there's going to be a National Academy of Sciences uh, report that settles this one. It's, it's going to be settled by political power. And, you know, things like this uh, rally that you're going to are exactly the right thing that the community should be doing if you want your voices heard. What, um, this will be a put on the spot question. What's your assessment in terms of how CDC handled the warnings and the connection between THC and vaping and nicotine vaping? Right. Uh, so there's a hell of a lot of criticism, um, that they've, they've conflated the two things. It's being made, uh, you know, not just by people who sell e-cigarettes, but, you know, by people in science, um, uh, even Scott Gottlieb, who's no friend to e-cigarettes, has made this uh, point, you know, concerned that they're going to drive people back to cigarettes uh, who have uh, turned to e-cigarettes to, to get off tobacco. So it's it's not the usual suspects who are saying that they've mixed it together. Even the um, headlines they use in their reports, you know, sort of putting vaping and e-cigarettes together has sort of done that. And um, I know people complain about it. We, you know, we, we report what they say and people are unhappy that we're not... Uh, uh, calling them out on every sentence that happens, but we do have to tell you what they're saying in the first place <laughs> that's being done. But it, it seems like a fair criticism that um, they've conflated the two things in their approach to it. And, uh, you know, you, you see them having to backpedal every time they're on a hearing, having to explain this to these congressmen. They're not exactly the same thing. Yeah, certainly it's a, it's a whole series of uh, one thing and then the other. I'd right. just like to ask our viewers here uh, just quickly. I just made a, a little bit of a tweak to our audio, and I want to make sure that everybody sounds good now. Thanks. Audio clear on YouTube. Fantastic. Clear here now. Great. Fantastic. Um, so I'm hoping that we didn't miss anything. I, we didn't miss anything. I know that it was just probably a, a little bit much. So, But just to make sure that we reiterate. So right now, um, you're one of the top you know, your newsroom, one of the top newsrooms uh, out there. We're trying, because, man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to um, you guys break a lot of stories, a lot of big ones. You cause a lot of controversy, and that's good. And um, so a lot of people from both sides on this issue must be reaching out to you uh, uh, to bend an ear, right? So who are you talking with and what have you been hearing today? Um, and describe that a little bit. So uh, what we have been hearing is uh, from groups that are uh, supporters of e-cigarettes, um, supporters of vaping, uh, generally that they could live with the kind of uh, splitting the 
the baby uh, approach that was talked about yesterday from Kellyanne Conway, where you know it seems like vaping shops would be allowed to continue going or be exempt in some fashion. The American Lung Association, the tobacco-free kids, the people who are very critical of uh, e-cigarettes, uh-uh. they, they say not good enough, we're going to come down on them. And you really have um, two sort of irresistible forces meeting each other here. I mean, you have basically the people who are worried about public health and teenagers uh, fighting against free enterprise, which is sort of the bedrock of... Um, you know, small C conservatism and, you know, the Trump base, uh, those two things are coming together. And it's uh, uh, sort of the usual suspects you would expect. The same people have been complaining about vaping for the last two years and people have been complaining that about the complaints for the last two years. Um, it, there's no new people in this. It's an old debate, which is maybe one of the reasons why it's so vicious right now. Yeah, and it certainly is vicious, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... It is hard to understand how um, the, a, a Trump administration could shut down 14,000 retailers. You know, we could argue about the numbers, but it's a lot of retailers, 150,000 employees, and regardless of the numbers, somewhere between 9 and 12 million, 13 million vapors, potentially forced back into smoking. It just seems astonishing that we're in this place with this president. I mean, even more incredible, like, some of those people will be forced to the illicit uh, market, which is where the deaths are coming from. You know, so it's it's really kind of a strange move to force people that way. Uh, it does seem like uh, the White House sort of, again, you know, this isn't the best organized White House. They dove into this policy without going through the usual policy process that the federal government does for anything, you know, which annoys the hell out of everybody. You know, it takes them six years to do anything. But there's a reason they're trying to get as much input as they can from everybody. And, you know, the president just came out one day and said, like, some people think it's good. It's not good. And now we're going to get rid of it. And then they're stuck trying to the people behind him trying to figure out what does that mean? Oh, my God. You know, and pe different parts of the White House walk into the Oval Office and say, you know, Don, you're going to cause trouble with these guys. And he's like, OK, we won't do that. And then, you know, the HHS walks back and says, Don, you said you were going to do this, you know, and he's like, OK, we'll make you happy. And, you know, and then we're out on the trying to read the smoke signals outside. And then you are trying to get the smoke signals for us. You know, like I said, welcome to our world. It's been like three years of this, man. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, I'm I inclined to be more of a Trump supporter. And it just certainly feels like you've just been bitten on the butt from the, you know, from the Trump snake. And now I kind of know how everybody else feels. Well, I mean, I just report what he does. You know, it, I mean, he's keeping me employed. I don't, you know, I don't pretend, <laughs> you know, otherwise. But it, you are seeing up close. Um, I've covered Clinton, second Bush, you know, Obama. Uh, this is a more opaque and jittery White House than those. I mean, just as White Houses go, I mean, you know, the first, the second Bush White House was very organized. They didn't roll out anything unless it was like, you know, checked over multiple times. This is not that kind of Republican White House. Well, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you know, Dana Perino. And so she has some, you know, control on the messaging uh, during the Bush uh, two years. And so she certainly knows her stuff. Let me just quickly move us over to one of your most recent articles here, Dan. And yep. thank you again so much for your time here. This is a piece that you put out, uh, came out on October 29th, was a fight over vaping bots is blazing while e-cigarette bans loom. 
Right. The quote, yeah, the quote here, dehumanizing opposition by calling people bots is just a way to attack vaping, said one vaping advocate. So tell us about this. What What is this story? Because it's certainly when we posted this uh, story uh, out onto our feed, it just lit up RegWatch like crazy. Yeah, my mentions went a little crazy. Uh, what we were trying to get at was uh, this fight online uh, that the report about vaping bots sparked. Uh, BuzzFeed's a creature of the internet. We like looking at fights that are going on uh, online that have an impact in the real world. This seems like the essence of it. Uh, we're, it made some people banned. We're not picking sides. Uh, we're just trying to say, hey, a hell of a fight is going on right here, and it's really confusing. Uh, it seems clear that um, you know, there were problems with the report. Uh, the the authors admitted, like, you know, yeah, we didn't intend this as a scientific thing. We're going to, you know, do it more rigorous fashion. It's clear that, you know, there were some shortcomings that were pointed out by the community. Uh, Amelia Howard, you know, I spoke to. Um, uh, she, you know, made a lot of good points. And we wanted to bring those in front of our readers who had probably only gotten the other side of the story, which was the, the initial news, the initial news when the, the thing was first reported in the Wall Street Journal. Right. So we're kind of also kind of sweep up the mess behind, uh, you know, the other news reports like, hey, here's what's really going on here. And also say it's more complicated than that. You know, there's a lot of politics behind this. It's not just people who like nicotine yelling. Certainly a very in depth too. Uh, more than just really the one topic you used it, you used this topic to wrap a bunch of stuff around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we couldn't resist. We even could get Sean Hannity in there, you know, so we're going to mention <laughs> that. Yeah. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about the impact so far. I mean, we know what's going on, but you're in New York, correct? No, I'm in D.C. You're going to be coming down to my uh, neck of the woods here. You're, this is from Washington, so I'm six blocks from where you'll be in a, tomorrow. Oh, well, fantastic. Yeah, well, well, that's great. So is it true that the majority of people that exist in that bubble really don't have uh, a clear sense of what vaping is and in terms of its potential risks? Um, has that broken through? Is it? Which ones? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, if you I, talk to the vaping side, they're going to say that nobody in Washington seems to understand at all the importance of vaping. They don't understand it's 95% safer. They don't understand any of these things. They right? don't understand where milk comes from, man. Uh, so it's nothing new. Uh, uh, yeah, there, there's not, if you said to them, um, what's the difference between Juul and, uh, you know, vaporizer, uh, they, they wouldn't know what you're talking about either things. You know, e-cigarettes is vaguely something they're familiar with. What, what they do know about is pressure groups. And so if you're getting groups of parents complaining about um, things when they go home to the town hall, you know, why don't you do something about this? There's vaping in my high school. That's uh, something that, you know, gets their attention. Um, so uh, it's impossible for them to understand everything. I mean, they, they don't know how an H-bomb works and they're in charge of those. And, you know, <laughs> so like to expect them to understand how a vaporizer works, it's probably too much. You know, they have people who are paid a lot of money to get their issues in front of them. And, you know, mom and pop vape shops aren't up there with Lockheed Martin and uh, Johnson & Johnson in terms of that kind of lobbying muscle. And that's what it takes to get their attention. Is there a... I don't want to say the word official because there really never is, but there is a consensus in newsrooms on a lot of issues. Sometimes they come from the assignment editor or the news director and so forth, or just, you know, this is the way in which a story is reported. Is there a consensus at BuzzFeed News with regard to the efficacy of vaping as a tool 
to quit smoking and it's safety? No, because uh, it's me. You know, I mean, like, you know, my editor, the, the way it works in news, really, I, and I'm sure you've seen this, is like you think you have an idea about a story is, and then you report it and you find out it's like very complicated. It's much more complicated than you thought, or what you thought was the simple story is wrong. And so with, uh, you know, I usually cover the overdose crisis, you know, and that's a, a very complicated story. So with, you know, e-cigarettes, um, my sense is that there's a lot of people out there who are using them to stop smoking tobacco. Um, there's probably people out there who are physically dependent on uh, nicotine as well. Um, there's maybe people who, you know, just like vaping flavors. Um, there's probably a bunch of kids in high school who uh, sneak hits of Juul and are also physically dependent on, on nicotine. And that's probably a bad thing, although the research there is it doesn't seem as solid, you know, as a science reporter the harms of that don't seem as well established to me as say like certainly not a smoking tobacco. Um, and all those groups aren't exclusive. They're all mixed together. So what you have is a mess. And uh, the one thing from that story that you pointed to that I think is probably the point we're trying to make, which is why I saved it for the end, is like we're not very good at sensible drug policy in this country. And so this is just another failure of sensible drug drug policy. Instead of a scalpel, we use a hammer, you know, for everything. And this is another thing, like a ban is a really clumsy instrument. And that's about as best as, as these legislators got. You know, we're, we're not going to pay for individualized uh, nicotine therapy for every, you know, person who needs it in this country. And, and people, you know, use these things for all kinds of reasons. You know, there's also uh, nicotine is good for anxiety, you know. I mean, uh, and is that bad or good? You know, it depends on how you feel about physical dependence on something. Um, I'm more of a harm reduction guy myself, so I see something that helps people cope with the world. You know, as long as they're not, like, selling their, you know, mom's guitar collection, it's probably a good thing. But other public health people don't share that view. And that's my personal view. I don't try and put that in my stories. I try and, you know, hear with the people who are, you know, bona fide experts. They've really spent a lot of time thinking hard about this, what, what they have to say about it. So... It's not nice or simple or easy. It's news, you know, and that pisses people off. They want, they want, if you don't report their view exactly how they said it, then, you know, it's fake news. But that's, we're trying to give people the real stuff. And so it, it comes out a little messy sometimes. Yeah, no, certainly. And that's true. And it just reminds me that there is a uh, political maxim that you kind of hope the Trump administration is, is thinking about right now. And that's, that's the solution to this is going to piss both sides off. And if they can get there and piss both sides off, then that might be the fairest solution. Because outside of that, if it if it's really just royally screws one side or the other on this issue, I mean, I don't know. Because we are talking, if, four years ago when we first started covering this issue, and you know, being from Canada, but I spent 10 years working in the US, so I've got a lot of familiarity, of course, um, with the country, the people, and, and a lot of love and affection for it. And I just couldn't imagine the fact that, you know, the, the land of the free and the home of the brave, um, it would, would take, you know, these away uh, from people. We took comic books away from kids in the 50s. You know, this is a country that uh, is fully capable of all kinds of things. Um, it could be that the reason why we don't have a policy yet is that there's waiting for polling to figure out who's, uh, whose skin they can uh, afford to hurt the most, you know? Uh, are we gonna lose more uh, moms in the suburbs of Atlanta doing this? Or are we gonna lose uh, vapors uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, who we need to get reelected? I mean, that's the bottom line is the reelection. And 
you know, who, what, who is going to vote for us and who isn't, you know, so that's the kind of level that these sort of decisions are made on. Yeah. And and as you kind of mentioned, in terms of how the president might have arrived to the his initial uh, entry into this issue might have been pretty Trumpian spontaneously as it, as it usual. Um, unfortunately, like the, pardon me. That's what people like about him. He makes you know, these decisions. Like. Right. Some people like that. Yeah. But here you see maybe the downside of that where maybe you should have got the polling first or maybe, you know. So when we spend our time doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, and well, he's he's created a bit of a pincer movement for him, or, or as the British would say, a sticky wicket. Mindful of your time, uh, just a couple of more quick questions. Let me ask sure. you about this. Public Health England. So you're with BuzzFeed News and you're right. in Washington. Yep. Um, do you ever first, I guess it's a two parter, you know, what do you know about Public Health England and their approach? And have you ever uh, put that forward to say pave or campaign for tobacco free kids or long or heart and ever put that in front of them and said well yeah but what about public health england and their approach to gauge a reaction right yeah we usually do mention that like you say hey look in in the uk they they're fine with these things and they say that it's actually an aid to quitting smoking um the response you typically get is like yeah that's the uk it's a different situation there uh different sociology of smoking uh different problems and the nicotine limits are uh lower on the on things like Juul. Uh, they don't like these uh, fourth generation uh, e-cigarettes with the high nicotine levels they say are more addictive in kids. I mean, the, the issue is teenagers. I mean, they really see this burst in teens using uh, e-cigarettes with nicotine in the last uh, two years. If that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. If that, if that increase among teens hadn't manifested in the U.S., you wouldn't be having this fight right now because it, it was looking like it was going to adults and not so much teens. And that stopped and reversed, at least according to the surveys, if you believe them. And that's all I got. I got to report what they say. You know, and so you, you sit there and you say, what about the UK where they say they're good? They say, like, the UK doesn't have one in four teens vaping in their high school. So people on uh, the pro-vaping side will, would comment that the media... Uh, and the hysteria over the teen vaping played a role in promoting vaping. I mean, if you if you want to look at one of the best, you know, marketing tools ever is tell kids that they can't do something and they shouldn't do something. And then, of course, you know, the jewel was glamorized in the media yeah. and it certainly wasn't paid media doing that. Well, it, it was. I mean, there's some studies suggesting that it was them hiring uh, influencers on Instagram and YouTube and so forth and celebrities to do it. I mean, if the news was so much so damn effective, they would pay me more. You know what I'm saying? I've been writing about climate change for 25 years, you know, and the needle on that has budged. You know, this much I used to write front page stories for USA Today saying in the biggest newspaper in the country, largest circulation, climate change is real. You know, it doesn't seem like that made a huge dent in the public. We're, n we're not real good at brainwashing people. And advertising is. That's why people pay so much for it. So to point at the news media is doing it is like, we're way down there in terms of influencing people. If we were so good at influencing people, Bill Bradley would have been president in 2000, you know, followed by, you know, whatever, Mother Teresa, you know, before that. We're, we're, not, uh, we're not all that good at getting people to do the right thing. You may have noticed people are doing wrong things all the time. Sure, fair enough. Um, well, so since we're there, um, do you see, can you... Can you find any fault in the way, and let's not, you know, put it on a BuzzFeed. This is not a thing, you know, a BuzzFeed. It's just an overall kind of a statement. Most people, sure. most people feel that vaping hasn't had the fairest of shakes. 
or when it comes to the mainstream news media. Right, right. Most vapors probably feel that way, right? Yes, uh, moms correct. that I talk to are like, you've been too nice to them. Um, yeah, well, so here's the deal, man. Uh, news is a public good. Uh, and there's a problem is that it's a public good that's paid for with a private good advertising. And it's been in collapse for the last 20 years. Uh, there's 50,000 reporters fewer now in, the, in this country than there were in 2006. And that's just the facts. So news is less thorough, less comprehensive than it was then because you have fewer people with less time to report things. So if the coverage of vaping um, seems uh, shallow and inconsistent and disappointing to you, then I, I fully share that view. I mean, there are probably more people covering the NFL draft of the Jacksonville Jaguars than there are covering uh, vaping in this country. It's amazing. It's a public health issue. And the problem is people don't put any particular value on news. They, they're willing to pay three bucks for a cup of coffee, put in their tummies every day, and they won't pay a nickel for the news. You know, I mean, BuzzFeed News is free. So, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're not willing to pay a lot of money for high-quality information, you can't complain about the information environment uh, being poor. I, I wish it was better. I wish it was otherwise. I, I should have you know, six colleagues on every story, you know, backing me up to write it. And I could write three stories a week then. And there's just not money to do a better job. I wish there was. Um, you know, the, everybody in the news business is just as disappointed, probably the P out there, the news isn't better. You know, who wouldn't want to do a better job? You know, but uh, news is such now that there's only time really for a lot of people to just knock out a quick story. The U.S. government has said vaping is bad. You know, on to the next thing. Because, you know, uh, a lot of the people writing these stories have to write seven stories a day, man. And right. so, you know, if when the country changes its mind and decides that news is valuable and that people are willing to pay, you know, as much as they are for a cup of coffee is for their news, then we'll have better news. Until then, we're going to be stuck with a low information environment where you're going to have somebody like me who has to come by six days later and write a, oh, by the way, that, that report had a lot of problems story instead of somebody being able to knock that out right away. Yeah, because I mean, you, de you definitely in your reporting have, you know, made it clear that, it, you know, it, it's linked to THC, the illnesses that were happening. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, what the heck is going on? And the CDC is starved. Why don't they have an answer yet? I mean, why can't they send people out to, to look at these pods, buy them, you know, the, the illicit ones that are causing they're killing people and do the analysis, you know, and it's it seems like they don't have the resources to do that. Researchers aren't even allowed. Like if you are at a, at a university, you can't go out and buy one of those things. It's nuts. So the DEA would bust you, you know? So like, why, why isn't that fixed? You know, and it's because a lot of public health issues like this are neglected in our society. And, you know, the lack of news is maybe a reflection of that lack of information. And I, I agree that there's some structural issues without a doubt. Um, but do you think, though, that there might be an ideological barrier for CDC in terms of trying to, you know, um, clear How the could there not here? be? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm sure, uh, and we wrote about in the story that, you know, that the tobacco control folks spent 50 years trying to get rid of cigarettes. I mean, we still sell cigarettes. They kill people. I mean, they poison people. We're selling poison to people, right? We can't get rid of them. And so they're pissed off. And the tobacco guys are no good, right? They lied for 40 years about it. They created fake science journalists, you know, to infiltrate meetings, fake doctors, you know. And, and then they see that those are the folks who are the major investors in these e-cigarette companies. And how could they not conclude that there's something, you know, rotten afoot here? I mean, and they've been 
conditioned to be suspicious of this whole thing for 40 years because they look and they see, you know, their patients dying, you know, their parents dying, you know, their brother's sick. You know, everybody has somebody in their family who died of lung cancer, you know, and it's because of the cigarettes. And so, you know, there's a lot of anger out there in, in that community and, and um, it's hard to blame them and, and definitely comes through in their comments on this. Do you think that uh, by CDC's inaction in terms of, you know, clearing things up, because uh, it's taken almost two months to do that, is there some responsibility uh, on the agency in terms of additional illness and potential deaths? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not the guy to go that far. Uh, that's for people who are observers like you to say. I can report that that criticism has been made. Um, you know, they, they tell us every week, they put out new statistics today, right? It's 2,000 cases, 39 deaths, uh, that there's a lag in reporting. Why is there a lag in reporting? Is it the CDC's fault there's a lag in reporting? Or is it the fault that, you know, taxpayers haven't been willing to pay for adequate public health <laughs> uh, updates? Um, it does seem like they could have done a better job to me um, making it plain uh, in their approach in the first couple months. Like I actually asked, if you go back to the transcripts, like what are you going to tell people who are trying to quit smoking? And then the response was like, oh, 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 we don't want anybody to go back to smoking. No, no, don't do that. But it was only in like the last three weeks that they said, oh, you should use FDA approved uh, tobacco replacement therapies, which aren't as effective as e-cigarettes according to the, the literature. So I think it'd be a fair criticism made that they've been backpedaling on, on, on making the distinction. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. So, all right, uh, just wrapping up here. Uh, again, mindful of your time, I'll, I'll take a lot no, of No, this time. is cool. This is important. And, and your audience is one that I'd, I'd like to reach. There was a lot of people angrily tweeting at me, which is normal. But it was like they didn't read the story. You know, we're, we're, it's not that we're not on your side. We're not. But we're... we're trying to tell the story, you know, like, I, so I want people to hear that we want to hear from you and we want to know what they have to say. So anyway, sorry for the aside, but just no, have... no, no. Well, that's, that's helpful for me to know exactly yeah. because like I had not known that they were, you know, you were getting some of the blowback. And it's, it's, it's cool. It's fine. It's nothing yeah. compared to climate change, man. You should <laughs> try, or the, or, or the opioid crisis for that matter. Sure. You know, this is a day sure. in the book. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's explosive out there on a bunch of issues. No, and it's true. It's important to note that, you know, uh, a news organization that is doing news. Now, we're a news organization, but we're opinion-based, right? So we take a position on issues. Right. And that simple as that. So we don't feign objectivity on issues. We're upfront where they are, but we're fact-based. So um, you and I are going to differ on climate change, but that's that's just you know way will be, but I'm still open to all dialogues on that. Sure. Right? There's no, no shutdown. Same we try to be today. fair to people. We don't pretend we're perfectly objective. It's impossible. Yeah. But we, we try and be fair to people. And and when people say you weren't fair, then we try and listen to them. And if they have a point, or even if they don't have a point, we listen to them and, and try and make the story more fair if we can the next time. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, on our side, um, you know, the director general of the Tobacco Control Directorate at Health Canada, so that's Scott Gottlieb, you know, yep. of Canada, has been on our show twice this year already. And the former one, as the legislation was uh, being negotiated and debated, uh, she came on our show two years ago. So, I mean, so in Canada, the regulators have engaged, you know, 
RegWatch and, and used us as a way to talk to the community. Because, you know, it's not just vapors that watch RegWatch, it's also all these researchers that are on the other side of public health. There's this, you know, continental divide that's happened in tobacco control, where there's one side that firmly believes that vaping is a tool for harm reduction, and the other side that believes it's part of the big tobacco conspiracy yep. and, yep. you know. So so the researchers we, we speak, uh, you know, to, the regulators we talk to, and, you know, Stanton Glantz has been on our show. We've had, you know, other activists on, on the show. But we can't get anybody from Heart, Lung, PAVE, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, Cancer, none of them. It's in, like, organizational level, uh, refuse to engage in debate. I had a co-founder of one of the top groups in the United States that is been, you know, presenting to Congress and everything else. I won't say which one, just to be fair. Outright, you know, uh, I, was, I was asked to give him a call because I was looking to get in touch with him. Gave him a call. And right off of the bat, we can't do an interview because we're not entering into a debate on this issue. And I'm like, well, okay, well, we don't really want a debate. We, you know, we've got an audience for you. Uh, that you can speak to, but it was like, no, we have a strict policy. We're not debating. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could understand they see you as advocates for the other side and any cooperation with you is sort of giving into that. And things are so politicized here and the politicos are so intent on controlling the terms of every debate they get into. I'm, I'm not surprised if that's the case. Uh, I mean, one of the advantages of trying to talk to everybody, you know, and maybe neutering the strength of our voices that we do get to hear from them. Um, it's a sign of like how, you know, vicious politics are now that you probably couldn't get them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And fair enough. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. All I don't right. know for sure. Maybe they just don't like Canada. Canada's well, fascinating, by the way, in this illicit, you know, death thing. You, you only have one case as far as I heard in Ontario, right? Isn't that amazing? How can you have 2,000 cases in the U.S. and then walk across the border and you only got a, hand, you know, a handful of cases? What the hell is the difference about Canada's illicit THC market versus the U.S.? It's, there's something fascinating going on there, but that's just a story for another day, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's very valid, right? Because that's, right. on the Canadian side, I'm, I'm ecstatic that you brought that up because just for you to have noticed that, the you know Canadian vaping industry and vapors in Canada are desperately hoping that the Canadian government will notice that because it just shows that there there's something odd going on here. There's something really weird in that market. There's something wild going on. Yeah, that's that sentence has been killed from like multiple stories, you know, because we don't quite see how to fit in. But there's there's a story there, I think. Sorry, and you mean uh, sentences in BuzzFeed stories yeah. talking about the oddness of no, the yeah. no cases in Canada. No. And meanwhile, in Canada, comma, you know, that, right. that gets lost because it's like, okay, that's not what the story is about. And maybe we should save that. But, I, you know, something is weird in the illicit THC market in the U.S. that's got this in here, right? And so why isn't it – what's the hell's the difference between Dearborn, Canada and Detroit, Michigan? Sure. You know, that, you know it's, there's something – Something well, interesting. That, that's there. fascinating that you in Washington at BuzzFeed News, you know, have have got that right there. And I certainly understand how you've got a real nugget and you've got to pull it out because it just doesn't fit. Right? Doesn't, it's, that's the problem. There's only room for one story in the story. So, you know, do you every, think you might be able to do some investigating on that? I'm trying. It's really hard to get your hands on because the illicit market for drugs is not well studied for anything. You know, uh, I've been doing the overdose crisis for opioids for for years now, and 
there's just not good data on it. It's all anecdotal or it's all incidental. Like they have a really good picture of one town for six months. You know, Lowell, Mass is really studied really great for like one year. But like that doesn't tell you anything about the rest of the country. And in terms of the drug markets are wildly uneven. You know, it's, there's, it's not like there's a 7-Eleven selling drugs in every store. Every city is different, different culture, different sociology. And the THC market is just part of that marijuana market, which is very particular to every locale. But there's something different between how it's sold in Canada and how it's sold in the U.S. of A. That's for clear. Yeah, and that's for certain, too. And, you know, chances are a lot of the um, carts and stuff like that in the U.S. were sold in the pop-ups. Right. And, yeah, and that doesn't happen in Canada because exactly. you know, pot's legal, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you know, that's so the difference, isn't it? But I but it's hard to get a, somebody who studied it to say, yeah, that's the difference. They're, they're so careful. Really, they won't say that. They will in Canada. They they're trying like people who study it in Canada. You know who you should talk to is you should uh, talk. Are you familiar with Dr. Mark Tyndall? I've only heard the name, but yeah, that's. I'll write that down, man. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, he'll do an interview with you in a heartbeat. He was the former, he's now the former executive director of the BC Centers for Disease Control. Very so, um, yeah, so he ran all the province of British Columbia, you know, the CDC and BC. And he is internationally known for his harm reduction because uh, 20 years ago, he's the advocate doctor, uh, public health doctor that uh, got the first injection site in North America set up. So he's responsible for the uh, for Insight, the Vancouver injection site. Oh yeah, very. We did a show from there. Yeah. Yeah. So and Mark is uh, advocate harm reduction. Uh, he's a harm reduction advocate for sure, and obviously can speak to the opioid stuff and the marijuana issue and the nicotine right. issue. Sorry to so, drag out all my stuff with you. I'm sorry, man. I'm making you a source, but I appreciate it. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, not at all. And well, I mean, uh, Dr. Tyndall was just on the show last uh, month uh, in reaction to the whole lung scare and had some strong things to say. And in Canada, of course, you know, we've got a large part of our audience up there too. And, you know, whatever happens in the U.S. just completely, totally rakes Canada over the coal. So, right. you know, we're all kind of watching this very carefully. And on the opiate side, there is a distinct feeling that Rome is burning and public health is fiddling, right? So because the opioid crisis is massive, there's so many things. Teenagers are drinking way more, are, are smoking way more cannabis. They're using way more drugs. Uh, than possibly at all could be with nicotine. And so how is it this nicotine thing? And that's one of the things that RegWatch has been trying to figure out because it feels like there's a cultural thing, uh, a class issue maybe, um, a race issue because it seems to be vaping is more of a white thing, you know, and all these issues are not so much talked about yet in the U.S. media, which I find strange because everything else is racialized, you know, is you know, and it just doesn't seem to be in the conversation here. Uh, yeah, I, the, the thing about uh, jeweling in high schools is that it's happening in rich high schools. So it's influential people whose kids are doing this. And so that's probably where a lot of the pressure is coming from. Those are people who, you know, call their congressmen and complain. Fair enough. And it can be just as simple as that. It could so, be. What uh, what is your um, analysis then, if you can? What I mean, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. Yeah, I don't but know. But what do you think is going to happen? I'm still going to ask you. With vaping, I have no idea. I I mean, the president has said we're going to do it, so they're going to do something. 
right? And most politicians, they try and, like I've been joking, they try and split the baby, right? We're going to do this, but not that. So you could see them, um, you know, coming to some, uh, we're going to allow these flavors, but not the others kind of thing. And that would, uh, but uh, I just don't know how that's going to make anybody happy. And so um, if I had to guess, they're just going to keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off and hope that the election like somehow happens and then after that, then they can figure it out, you know, because they got that's the real problem with the White House right now is um, the election, the re-election. It seems like they can't. There's so much pressure on them. But if I had to guess, the usual solution to a problem you can't solve in D.C. is to kick a can. You know, they'll announce that they're going to have a blue ribbon panel look at it. Maybe they'll pull what's his name, the governor from uh, New Jersey out of retirement and have him do another blue ribbon panel about it. That's the if I had to bet if I had 10 bucks, I would bet six bucks on that. Uh, two bucks on a on a ban like he talked about before, and then two bucks on you know just letting it drop. But really, so yeah. that's uh, that's both. Boy, that's interesting. So you think there's a potential that this could get kicked down the road or dropped? Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe a dollar on dropped. He's got to do something. He's come out. Trump has come out and said we're going to ban it. So they got to make at least a motion towards that, if I had to guess. And, and this is just guessing here. This sure. is like worse than the guys on Sunday trying to pick the football games, right? But it seems like the president is, has said, we're going to do something. We're going to ban. So he's got to find some fig leaf that he can call a ban. But I'm out of the prediction business, really, man. Like, you know, I, I, who can tell what this White House is going to do? You know, I, I So I would, you say, would you say it's fair then, uh, as what I'm hearing from you, is that the pressure from vapors and the reality, the political reality, uh, is starting to sink in. Like it's it's strong. it's real. It's real. The story in Axios saying that like he was getting pressure, the Trump was getting pressure about polling. You know that was an indication that there's some real pressure being put on on the White House to like think about this at least. And you know things like the rally that you're talking about uh, that does get noticed. I mean they they hire people to watch public sentiments so. If the community does want to make its voice heard, then that is the kind of thing you do need to do. Great. Well, Dan, thank you so much uh, for joining us. What's your uh, Twitter handle for everybody so they can tweet nice tweets at you? Uh, they don't have to do that. It's at uh, DVergano, at D-V-E-R-G-A-N-O. And Great. it's just BuzzFeed News, Dan Vergano. And, you know, feel free to get in touch. Let me know what you're thinking. Um, just know that, like, we're trying to do the news here. We're, we're probably not going to be totally sympathetic to everything everybody says. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the last minute for a quick broadcast. Really appreciate it. And no maybe, problem. I'll, maybe I'll get a chance to see you in DC. Thanks for the help, man. Yeah, you, <laughs> Take you it bet, easy. Man. And you're welcome back on the show anytime. So All right. that's awesome. That well, that's it for everybody here for this surprise edition of Reg Watch. We are literally going to be packing up television gear. And I'm on a flight at six in the morning to DC and we'll be wheels down tomorrow Friday at 4.30 and then joining uh, everybody as we're getting ready for uh, Saturday's event. So if you get a chance, please do go to support.regulatorwatch.com and kick in a few bucks. It'll help us cover the expenses for the trip. And before you head off, don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. For regulatorwatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford. Hey. If you can hear me, thanks a lot, Brent. That was great. I'm going to go to the gym now. Sounds great, man. You too. Uh, thanks a lot, Dan. Um, 
I really appreciate it, buddy. Have a good no one. No problem. That was fun. Take care. You bet. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.